All right, let's rock and roll, people. Here we go. Welcome. Today is March 23rd, 2023. It's a Thursday. Welcome to episode number 329 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Aaron McDowell, Robert Burke, Patrick Moss, hopefully Wayne's Real World, and Jared Matthews, storm walking up in here, Philip Martin, Andrew Nakamura, and all of the Simply Cyber community, including the squad members, are going to be tearing up the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, definitely going to have some value for you here. Believe that. We're going to be covering topics, terminology, threat actors, current events, the works. So stay tuned. Great networking in here. Also, definitely say hi to everybody, especially those who are hashtag passive observer. What's up, Philip Martin? Good to see you. All right, y'all. Before we get into it, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors who support the show and keep it so I can keep rolling on these things. Love it, love it, love it. Starting with my good friend Eric Taylor over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. This is what their website looks like. If you do go there, uh, yeah, read their material, but I would recommend you scroll down to Eric's calendar. Find a time on Eric's calendar and have a conversation with him. He's a really approachable guy. He's very smart at what he does. And just kind of talking through what your situation is, uh, I've worked with him professionally um, prior and uh, top-notch guy, very professional, very, um, very legit guy. Also want to say shout out and love to XM Cyber, new sponsor. If you're not familiar with them, guys, listen, every organization, and if you're new to the industry and you don't know this, uh, know this as a fact. Uh, organizations can have misconfigurations, vulnerabilities, mismanaged creds, and other exposures. It's their attack surface. And it's gross. And if you have a hybrid network like cloud and on-prem, you're really, uh, you know, got a huge attack surface and you can't really see how all of it works together, right? You can, you know, you can see like, oh, this and this, and I've got these problems over here. And you kind of triage them and put band-aids on things, but you can't see how they all interact together. And that's a problem. XM Cyber actually introduces a way for you to address this hybrid cloud exposure and actually look at it. So instead of looking at the, the silos, like I mentioned before, their tool kind of um, boils it all together and allows you to look through a visual attack graph, how um, an attack, you know, basically how an attacker would go from, uh, you know, this box to this box, to these creds, to whatever, to your crown jewels, whatever it is, you can visualize the attack path and identify where you have gaps in your organization, whether on-prem or in the cloud. And the real value here, when you get to the end of the attack path, you can prioritize where the issues are, are really are and what boxes they're on and kind of focus on high risk reduction for, I don't want to call it low effort because sometimes it's high effort, but basically you want to get those high risk reduction, low hanging fruit first. That's the sweet spot. And with a tool like 
XM Cyber. You can you can visually see those things. So it's very cool. Check out XMCyber.com and click the link in the description below and you can demo their exposure management platform and have a, a conversation with them. Uh, good people. Also want to say much love to Panopsi, but more about them at the mid-roll. Each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so be sure to say what's up in chat, whether you're hashtag Team Live, the hundred of you who are here right now, more to follow, I'm sure, or your hashtag Team Replay in the comments. Be sure to document that you were here. Believe me, it's a good time anyways from a networking perspective, but it's also a forensically sound auditable, auditable, auditable piece of evidence. That's why I put the chat in the stream over there. I burn it into the stream so you don't have to worry about maintaining forensic records of time and date and all that stuff. It's it's part of the show. Thanks, Jerry. High five. Okay. Now, if you are the final group of people that I love to recognize are my hashtag passive observer crew. If thank you, Jenny Housley. Um, we'll, we'll talk to Wayne's real world in a minute. Um, if you are um, shy, socially introverted, new here, feel intimidated, imposter syndrome, waiting for your chance to, to speak or whatever, take advantage of the hashtag passive observer in chat. Say hashtag passive observer, step into the light, start your networking today. Um, and, and believe me, like you're really going to appreciate where it takes you. I can't tell you where it's going to go, but I know it's going to go to a positive place, you know, three months, four months, five months, six months down the road. Um, so, you know, Jenny Housley, for example, I, not that she was hashtag passive observer, but, um, you know, she said, hi, join the streams. And now uh, she's, she's part of, you know, kind of the Simply Cyber team, like helping me with the uh, Simply Cyber community challenge. So everything's really, really great. Um, Oh yeah. Hey Jojo, good good luck on that interview. I've got a ton of content on the channel around crushing interviews. My SOC analyst Q&A is a very popular video and has helped multiple people. The GRC analyst masterclass has tons of content that you can do. What's up Sean Spratt? Love it, love it, love it. All right, we got a, a jam-packed show, so let's get into that. Um, just a show reminder, today is What's Your Meme Thursday. Dan Reardon, aka Haircut Fish, develops a custom meme just for the channel every single Thursday. I don't get to look at it. Um, I don't I don't get any input on whether or not what it looks like. So um, I've seen it. It's hilarious. Uh, classic Dan Reardon fashion. The guy delivers the goods every single week. So stay tuned for that at the mid-roll. Also, Bryant Peak and Emilio Garcia, winners of our GRC raffle yesterday, had already taken the GRC class. They would like to re-raffle it today. So stay tuned for that. I want to re-raffle that. I might need mods to remind me to remind me about that. Uh, and then we've got the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. So jam-packed show, sit back, relax, um, and let the awesome waves of the top cyber news wash over you in an awesome wave. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. Another image editor leaks data. Earlier this week, security researchers revealed that the markup tool on Pixel devices allowed people to partially recover content edited out of an image. Now, software engineer Chris Bloom confirmed a similar issue impacting the Windows 11 snipping tool. When saving over an image file with an edited one, the snipping tool does not properly truncate data. The PNG specification states that image files end in an IEND data chunk, but the snippet leaves data from the original image half chunk. 
It's not visible in the PNG file, but a simple Python script can partially recover content. Microsoft said it's looking into the issue. Interesting. What? Okay. First of all, hey, uh, I love, I love, I love, I love. It's being called the Acropolis. Yes. <laughs> love it. I love it. Uh, we just need a good logo. Give me a logo. Acropolis. Okay. So this one's got legs as far as like marketing. I've actually had some people reach out to me about the Google Pixel cropping one. So I guess when you have the intersection of you know, data privacy leaks and a common function that everybody does cropping, especially in this Instagram TikTok society we live in. Uh, people know what it is. So I find it, I do find it kind of wildly coincidental that the Google Pixel crop issue comes up and then the Windows 11 cropping issue comes up all like in the same couple weeks. Um, the snipping tool, many people use it. It's a built-in function of Windows operating system. It has for quite some time. And basically you crop it. And when you save it off, it should only save off what it's supposed to be there, but apparently it's saving more. Now, one interesting thing that's different about this problem versus the Google Pixel one is the Google Pixel one, you could recover the entire original image. This one, you can only recover part of the previous image. But the point is if you cropped it, chances are you were trying to crop out something on purpose. Typically, it's because you're looking for that great, you know, oh, natural Instagram shot. Not that you're cropping out like personal sensitive data on the side, but it is possible that could happen. Um, so the fact is, if you're the one doing the cropping, you almost expect a level of assurance and privacy that what you are actually cropping is what is the final product in view. So a simple Python script. This could be a fun, guys, guys, I'm just going to say it. I don't have time to do this. Um, I really don't although I might do it. This would be a great opportunity for someone in chat to do this. They said it's a simple Python script to do it. This Chris Bloom person at Program Max on Twitter sounds like they have the script. Um, it might even be available. This would be a fun little exercise to do and then write a blog post about or post it on um, LinkedIn. Or if you've got a YouTube channel, go YOLO and do it there. I mean, just, hey, like you could just name it like, Hey, you know, I took 10 PNGs that were cropped and this is what happened. There's your title, right? And then the shock face thumbnail, right? You could do that in the LinkedIn and then just put, yeah, Acropolis is out. This is this is the original cropped photo. Here's after running the Python script, you can see here, boom, high five, lots of comments, lots of amplification, and then your network explodes. That's just an idea if you're looking to grow your network, but this is like a pretty straightforward um, lab exercise that you can do. From an information security perspective, I would just advise your uh, end users, hey, be mindful that there's some issues with um, cropped photos being able to be recovered. Uh, just be aware of that and be mindful. Lots of end users, lots of Carls use um, the uh, cropping tool. So, you know, it'll be relatable to them. They can They can understand that, right? You can kind of hand jam that into a conversation or to an email communication. Op victims come forward. The ransomware group Clop claimed it compromised 130 organizations earlier this year using a compromise in the Go Anywhere file transfer service. On its leak site, Clop did not yet name all victims. However, this week, new ones came forward. The Canadian financing firm Investissement at Quebec and Hitachi Energy both said a ransomware group obtained some employee information. Both pointed to security incidents at Fortra, which develops Go Anywhere as the cause. Fortra did not answer media inquiries about other victims, but did release a patch to the exploit back in February. Other victims that came forward include Community Health Systems, Hatch Bank, and the enterprise data management company, Rubrik. 
All right, so Klopp is a tier one Russian-based, allegedly, I guess. I, I always want to say allegedly because I don't know definitively, but um, Ransomware Threat Actor Group, they, they're the ones who, like, <laughs> like, they're the ones who hit, like, Royal Mail, but they hit the wrong Royal Mail. Um, and the, the Royal Mail they hit, they were asking for, like, $100 million or something, and they're like, dude, we're a small business. Like, wrong Royal Mail. Like, that was kind of funny. I think they also hit, um, like, Staffordshire water department or something like that and they got that one wrong too i may be confusing um the ransomware gang on the on the uh, royal mail one but my my point is they're a tier one and they actually they kind of went all in on this go anywhere bug and they probably used shodan they probably found all the victims running the vulnerable version of go anywhere that they had an exploit for and then they just you know rinsed and repeated went went to work guys like there's no magic button. There is no hacker movie scene where you push a button and then like spin around in your uh, your uh, office chair and go and then like you know the graphic uh, you know the world map graphic of it bouncing around and compromises and the the skull flaming skull taking over assets. That crap doesn't happen. Literally, they probably went to work, compromised 130 different go anywhere system interfaces, started looking around, deployed their ransomware. You know, went home for the day, detonated their ransomware, started doing the negotiations with the victims, got paid, right? So it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's deplorable, it's illegal, it's unacceptable, it's not condoned, but it is work, right? There's no, they, they, these guys had to work. Now they are getting paid, right? 130 organizations popped. Even if it was $100,000 a ransom, which is cheap, I think the average ransom payment is much higher than that in 2023. Uh, but even at $100,000, thousand dollars that's 13 million dollars right not a bad payday right for let's say two months of work it was significantly more than a hundred thousand dollars too i'm just saying what's up left coast nick barker good to see you uh so just this is just more information for context around the threat actor space in the ransomware ecosystem there's not really any actionable intel here big tech lobbies to limit spying law Bloomberg sources say several big tech companies, including Meta, Alphabet, and Apple, have pushed Congress to limit Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. The law is set to expire at the end of 2023. As passed in 2008, the law allows agencies to compel companies to turn over communications and other data on non-U.S. citizens living outside the U.S. without a warrant. With the renewal of the law, tech companies want the ability to disclose information on government requests about users, what data they can disclose, and restrictions on how the information disclosed can be used. All right. CISA, expand. So, okay, so this is interesting. On its surface, here's the deal. There is a law coming up that's going to expire that would need to be reformed. Um, and it basically limits the way that government can request data and information from big tech companies. So think your Facebook, your Twitter, your TikTok, whatever, like all this data, what are we collecting? What are we doing? Um, now, on the surface, the big tech companies are saying, oh my gosh, no, we want to limit this because of the dragnet surveillance. The federal government could come in and just you know, eavesdrop on all the communications and whatever, right? It's no different than back when we used to have plain old telephone systems, POTS systems, and the Fed agent would climb the telephone pole and clip into the telephone and eavesdrop on the thing, right? It's it's no different than that. Now, Big Tech seems to be the champion. Hey, Cat GPT, good to see you. Shall we play? So, 
what they're trying to say is that we are your advocates. Big tech company doesn't want government and oversight and surveillance and, and right. And that sounds good. And Apple has done things that would indicate that they're pro-privacy. But then tinfoil hat, Jerry, please get the emote ready. Tinfoil hat, Jerry, leads me to think like, okay, what are these tech companies really into? Are they really into privacy? Are they really into individual rights and not having government oversight surveillance? Probably not. It's probably about straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Dude, if, if they go in there and they discover that Google is hoarding all of this data or sucking up all this data or doing all these data or Facebook selling all this data or whatever, it's going to put transparency in place and visibility in place. And there might be uh, people having to answer questions. Why are you tracking this? Why are you selling this? Who are these data brokers, right? So in my mind, it's more of a cynical approach on why big tech's pushing this, not because they have the little guy or little woman's uh, best interest in mind, but more because it's about cash money, homie. Again, that's speculation. That's just my hot take on this. But at the end of the day, this law is going to expire pretty soon and a new one's going to have to be put in place. And it's really going to turn into a... Um, uh, basically a, a debate on where does the law land? The final thing I'll remind you is that because we live in a second gilded age right now, and I've been firm on this position for quite some time, we live in a gilded age. It's sad. It's true. The gilded age means that there's a few people who have all the wealth. It used to be like the, the oil barons, right? Your Vanderbilts, your Rockefellers, your Morgans. Now it's your Elon Musk's, your Zuckerberg's, your Bezos, right? The the tech, big tech is the new oligarchs, the new, the new um gilded, you know, wealthy elite. Now, if think about it for a hot minute, guys. Okay. The people who got the deepest pockets with the biggest interest in this law are also the ones who are funding political campaigns. Okay. So if you want to get, again, you can't buy a politician, right? But you can donate to their campaign. And then if they vote against something that you want, you're probably less inclined to want to support their campaign on re-election. And the politician's not stupid. They know that. In fact, when you finance their campaign, you because you're like the wealthiest elite, you probably had a sit down dinner or multiple with that politician to talk about what's important to you and why you're donating to their campaign. Let's be real people. <laughs> people aren't donating money because they're philanthropic and they're like, yo, you, you're the, you're, I love your ideas. Like you go, you're, you're a, a person of the people. No, there's usually, again, it's not explicit quid pro quo, but if you look at how lobbying happens, if you look at some of these politicians and the way they vote, because the voting has to be transparent, um, you can draw some easy conclusions, okay? Tinfoil hat, Jerry, getting off. Getting off the bus. And Cybersecurity Committee. This week, the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency added more than a dozen new members to its advisory committee, which works with Director Jen Easterly on policies and programs. These members include CSOs from the NFL, VMware, General Motors, and Google's VP of Privacy, Safety, and Security Engineering. CISA also updated the cross-sector cybersecurity performance goals. Based on industry feedback, it reorganized the goals to match the NIST cybersecurity framework. Yes! And now a word from our yeah. sponsor. Hold on. Hold on. Did, did, uh, excuse me. Did I just hear mapping and alignment to NIST CSF? Get on. Get on. Yeah, boy. All right.
So, uh, Sissa, continuing. Jen Easterly, can can we? Jen Easterly, if you're a hashtag passive observer, please, please, <laughs> please present yourself. Jen Easterly is just continuing to crush it. Again, she is the personification of Sissa, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they're expanding the cybersecurity committee, bro. If you are expecting to get um, buy-in and adoption and engagement from the private sector, you need to bring them in. They're called stakeholders. You know what doesn't work? Telling someone who had no say in anything how it's going to be. Good luck with that. If you bring them in, it's called buy-in. It's called um, you know, ownership, frankly. And we can see this at a micro level at your organization. This is how you can get security champions in different areas of the industry. Bring someone in from finance into your, you know, basically patch management thing and say, hey, like, we'd love to get your thoughts on how does these patches impact your finance department. And now you have a champion. This is the same thing, just at a much larger macro level, right? If if we're going to really have improved national cybersecurity which, by the way, requires the private sector to upgrade their game, then we need this type of um, engagement and this level of commitment. Now, they just kind of slid it in there that they're also using NIST CSF. NIST CSF is a voluntary framework, but if you're beginning to map metrics to the CSF, well, then it becomes a natural inclination to like, hey, maybe we should adopt this CSF ourselves. And it'll make it easier for mapping. We can measure our own selves. There's a ton of great resources out there for NIST cybersecurity framework. Um, and the feedback came from the stakeholders who wanted the goals to be more easily traceable than NIST CSF. So, you know, w way to go. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Ready? Check this out. I'm a NIST CSF advocate. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, let's do the mid-roll. Conveyor. Does the thought of answering another security questionnaire make you feel like clearing out the ice cream section at your local grocery store? Though we fully support the ice cream thing, you might want to check out Conveyor first, the end-to-end -end trust platform helping InfoSec teams reduce incoming questionnaires and fly through the ones they do have to complete. Give customers access to a self-serve trust portal to download security info, and for any remaining questionnaires that do come in, use their GPT questionnaire response tool or white glove questionnaire completion service to knock them completely off your to-do list. Learn more at conveyor.com. All right, guys, guess what? It's the mid-roll. We got a lot to cover, so settle in and let's do mid-roll things. All right, guys, it is the mid-roll. I want to thank all of you for being here. Do a hot minute and pay it forward to other cybersecurity professionals or aspiring cybersecurity people who are on YouTube and LinkedIn right now that don't know about this live stream. Hit the like button. It goes a long way to helping other people discover what we're doing here. I want to thank the stream sponsors. As always, Barricade Cyber Solutions, Panopsi, and XM Cyber. I mentioned Panopsi earlier, but let me go a little deeper for you guys. Panopsi is a South Carolina-based company that can serve pretty much anywhere. And Brandon Poole runs the company and he offers, among other things, a quantified risk assessment methodology, which is a, um, if you're familiar with qualitative risk assessment methodologies, which I do in the GRC course, then you, you know uh, that they're kind of subjective and there's like a heat map and stuff like that. Quantified is based on evidence and it provides statistical probabilities on what your investments will do as far as cyber risk reduction. If you're interested in learning more about 
you know, hooking your organization up and giving you the intel to be able to move forward in a more confident way, then absolutely go to panopsi.com. Links in the description below and giddy up on that. Tell Brandon I sent you. Again, I've had Brandon on the show multiple times. I love that guy. He's an excellent practitioner. Honestly, I think he's sponsoring Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing just to give back to the community because <laughs> he hasn't even given me any like mark, like copy to read. I'm just making this up. He said, quantified risk assessments. Just mention that. That's fine. I haven't talked to him since he started <laughs> sponsoring, but thank you, Panopsi. Thank you, Brandon Poole. Now, guys, really quick, we are raffling off two GRC uh, tickets. So go ahead and drop GRC in um, chat if you want to enter for the two GRC vouchers, okay? Thank you, Emilio Garcias and um, Brian Peak. Also, we had a winner yesterday, Chimera Gonzalez, I believe. Uh, she, I, and if I'm getting your name wrong, I'm sorry. She never claimed it. Please DM me on Discord to get your prize. You definitely earned it, or you won it. All right, guys, just a reminder, um, simplycyber.io slash newsletter. If you want to get an email twice a week from me on Mondays, here's three pieces of information you can operationalize today to reduce risk for your organization and look like an absolute all-star at work. If you're into that, sign up. Second, on Wednesdays, I've partnered with Codename Purple to provide an industry-specific threat intel email. I got some constructive feedback from it. I've shared it with the Codename Purple team, but sign up if you want that. Guys, it's... You can unsubscribe, it's totally fine. You can subscribe, it's totally fine. It adds value. So sign up if you're into that. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Wayne's Real World. You got tagged yesterday. I don't know if you know. We're trying to get this straightened out. So Wayne's Real World has been tagged. We're just going to let it slide right now uh, that he continues to have the baton until we get this straightened out. Thank you, Jenny Housley, for letting me know. So Wayne's Real World, can you pick this up and post on LinkedIn, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? All you got to do is go on LinkedIn and post your why. What is it about cybersecurity you love? How can you connect with the community? Share, share, share. Use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge in it. Everybody in chat, go find that post and connect, comment on it, connect with the people in the comments, build your own network. Believe me, you're going to be very, very happy that you joined this challenge and engaged with like-minded people. The network won't, it, it, the network goes beyond Simply Cyber, okay? It's, it's your network, build it, let me help you. All right, guys, it is What's Your Meme Thursday, <laughs> and this one's a classic for regular Simply Cyber community members. Dan Reardon, when Jerry sees an InfoSec graphic, now, in all fairness, I do love a good InfoSec graphic. Like, oh, it's just when you visually communicate InfoSec content in a very meaningful, impactful way, that's an art form. Way to go, Dan Reardon, Haircut Fish. Thank you so much for, <laughs> thank you so much for this wonderful, hilarious What's Your Meme Thursday. All right, guys, stay tuned, and we'll get back to this all at the jawjacking segment. I have a ton of more information to share with you. Oh, let's do the GRC roll. Ready? Here we go. Good luck to everybody. First winner is Jason Hoskins Jr. Way to go, Jason Hoskins Jr. Way to go. By the way, you know what I don't do? I don't wait till the end of the stream to like lure you into staying for the metrics. Let's just give out raffle prizes. Our second winner is Trixie Grin. Trixie Grin. 
Nice job, Trixie. Nice job, Jason. All right, guys. I'll see you at the lack the back half. Let's get back into the news. Duo Duo app declared malware. Google flagged several apps from the Chinese e-commerce giant Pinduoduo as malware, suspending its official app in the Play Store. Google will also use its Google Play Protect feature on Android to block users from installing third-party APKs of these flagged apps and warn users who already have it installed to remove them. Security researchers speaking to TechCrunch claim the app attempts to exploit several zero days to compromise devices. A Pinduoduo spokesperson denied the speculation and accusation that its app was malicious. All right. So basically, Google, this fast rising app developer, anyone can develop an app, okay? ByteDance makes TikTok, right? That's out of China. Anybody, anywhere. You know, you could have a Pakistan-based app. You could have a Greenland-based app. It doesn't matter. Anyone can write apps and get them into the Google Play Store. There's a massively exploding software company out of China um, that releases tons of apps, 800 million users. Google has now flagged those apps as malware. Obviously, this is devastating for that business. But Google is claiming that they have discovered that the app is monitoring the user, probably exceeding the permissions that it needs, and it's doing essentially spyware on it. The developer is claiming that they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, that would be an obvious response <laughs> from any business. They're not, no business is going to be like, oh, you got me. Um, obviously, there is a very easy, obvious way to test this. You could pull down the app. You could um, you know, reverse engineer it. You could open it up. If Google is saying this, um, Google has very talented security researchers on their team. Go look at Google Tag, Google Project Zero, uh, two different groups inside Google that do amazing cybersecurity research. Um, I think Travis Ormandy is part of that group, the, the Google Project Zero. Anyways, what you need to know is Google wouldn't recklessly decide this and say this, okay? Joshua Allen's up in here. What's up, Joshua Allen? Thanks for the squad membership. I saw your post on LinkedIn uh, the other day. Connecting with you is awesome. I think he, uh, Joshua had just completed the GRC masterclass, so congratulations on that. So Google wouldn't do this haphazardly. So Google has high confidence in this. Um, you know, this just furthers the um, friction between the United States and China. Right now, there's uh, United States-China friction on multiple dimensions. U.S. is throttling chips, exporting over to China. Uh, China is working with Russia around a, a peaceful Ukraine resolution. Like, there's a the million different things. This is just another, like, like U.S. banning TikTok. Um, that's another thing. You've got to remember that, uh, uh, as far as I know, China, you can have a business in China, right? But an e-commerce giant like this in China definitely has Chinese government officials like on the board or deeply integrated with them. You don't operate a massive company in China unless the government is up in your business. Look at what happened with Alibaba. Look at what happened with, um, oh my gosh, there was like a, there's like an Uber. Um, there's like a Chinese Uber company. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like Uber with, with the rideshare stuff, but it, it's a China based one. And they listed on NASDAQ or, or, or New York stock exchange. And they got they got whacked wicked hard. They had to uh, get off that exchange, and then they had to wait like six months. And then China allowed them to like start doing business again. So if you don't think that the Chinese government's all up in Chinese businesses business, <laughs> well then you know I think you might not be paying attention. So um, it, it wouldn't be wild to think of a private Chinese e-commerce giant putting in this type of um, 
monitoring or spyware, right? And Google's flagged it. So just be mindful of that. If you are on a device, uh, a Google device, Android OS, you use Google Play and you've downloaded one of these ones, it sounds like you might actually receive a notification from Google saying that it is a malicious app when you've installed it. It could prompt you to uninstall it. This is an opportunity to, um, if you want, advise your end user community. Hey, Android users, just so you know, if you get a notification um, that you ha you might have malicious software on your device, you should um, uh, remove it from your device, okay? Let them know, you know, sometimes malicious software can get in the Google Play Store. Um, sometimes uh, software, you know, uh, wasn't initially malicious, but it is malicious. It's not always like leet zero day malware that you fell for a trap. Like sometimes it's just, you know, it is a legit app and then they discover after the fact that it's doing additional stuff that you don't need to know about. So it's an opportunity to, educate your end users on what that pop-up is all about, not just click through it, right? Because a lot of end users, man, and let's be honest, everybody in this room, everybody, how many are here? 185 of you, all of us, right? Have gotten the the pop-up saying that we're making like a, a an untrusted connection, right? Something's wrong with a certificate at the website and we can't click close or okay fast enough, right? Just to get to that website, whatever it is. So we, we, know better and we click through these things you know an end user right you know carl's like get, get out of here like you're stopping me from getting to my candy crusher or, or whatever app it is right so just be mindful of that it's an opportunity to educate your end users github gets a chatty co-pilot github introduced its co-pilot feature back in 2021 this offered an yeah AI thank you Didi. thank you Didi. for code Microsoft announced an overhaul to the feature under a new Copilot X vision. As part of this, GitHub launched a technical preview of a new chatbot experience within the code editor, which can explain code, recommend changes, and fix bugs. Currently, the chat feature operates in a sidebar, but GitHub plans to bring this to inline code in the future. This also adds voice support for the chat through the creative Hey GitHub wake word. This feature will launch in Microsoft's Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code apps, but eventually come to other IDEs in the future. All right. I mean, this isn't a surprise, right? So ChatGPT, oh, hold on. Shall we play a game? ChatGPT clearly um, has demonstrated its capability. There's a million pieces of content on ChatGPT made by ChatGPT. You know, it's a $100 billion uh, solution. Um, but many of us go to the website and we type in prompts and crap like that. That's fine. The real power is when you integrate it into existing solutions to make those solutions more powerful, more feature rich. That's what's going on here. So now we're, they're integrating it into Visual Studio, which I have programmed in Visual Studio. I've also programmed in Android Studio a little bit. Those IDEs, integrated development environments, are fat, bloated messes. I hate that. I personally, I use a text edit, like Sublime text editor with um, content uh, aware highlighting, syntax highlighting. So like when you type in a variable, it turns pink. When you type in a keyword, it turns red, whatever. Like that, that's fine for me. I don't like all these like um, fat IDEs, but I'm also not a professional developer. What they're saying is this, this functionality is going to be integrated into the fat IDEs, the, the feature rich ones, and then eventually it'll percolate down. One thing that um, I find interesting, yes, ChatGPT is really good, but dude, if you're like working on a program and this thing's like, this thing's like David, Shall we play a game? This thing's like, David, 
you've written a really crappy piece of code right there. Oh, I could optimize your code. Like, I wonder how developers are going to feel when they're getting like basically fact checked or, or like, you know, <laughs> told that they suck every, <laughs> every couple minutes. Cause here's the thing. If I'm writing a piece of code and I got someone breathing on my shoulder, talking about like, Oh, you missed a, you missed a semicolon there, Jerry, or like, Oh, that's a really suboptimal, uh, um, function, right? That's not big O notation, Jerry. I'd be like, shut up. Like, get out. Like, don't you have somewhere else to be like anywhere else? My code runs, bro. So <laughs> later. Okay. Or if people are going to be like, you know, like are people basically going to be like the way that they treated Clippy? If you really want to date yourself with gray hair. Yes, exactly. Joel B. Like basically Clippy people crapped on Clippy. Like Clippy was like, shut up Clippy. Right. That was like the most common response to Clippy. So I wonder if people are going to be like, oh, thank you, my new digital overlord for optimizing my code. Can you do all of my code? That way I can, uh, you know, bang out early and go to the beach. Or if people are going to be like, shut up, chat GPT. Like, I've got this. I'm curious. I'll be interested to see how it goes. But yeah, Clippy, Clippy on steroids. I did see Linus Tech Tips got hacked. I have a thought about that. I haven't looked. All I all I heard was exactly that. Linus Tech Tips got hacked. I have a theory on what it is. If chat, if mods can let me know in mod chat, if, if it's been documented why or how it happened, I have a theory because I thought instantly, <laughs> instantly I thought, oh, could Simply Cyber get hacked? I have a theory on how it could happen, how it could happen. POC exploits released for vulnerable Netgear routers. Back in August 2022, Cisco's Talos team disclosed vulnerabilities in the Orbi 750 series routers to Netgear. Cisco released proof of concept exploits for these flaws. These opened the door to use public admin consoles to execute arbitrary code, man-in-the-middle attacks, and intercepting traffic data from a router to its extender. These exploits require valid logging credentials, but it's unclear how many publicly accessible routers still use stock credentials. Netgear released updated firmware, but Bleeping Computer found some routers did not automatically install it. Cisco did not find any evidence these vulnerabilities were under active exploitation. All right, hold on a second. Quant um, so Cisco Talos, um, really quick, I say this whenever they come up, Cisco Talos is definitely a really great, um, organization, uh, for threat intel and for content. So definitely, um, check them out. In fact, like, I'll just send you a, a link here. I Googled Cisco Talos. This is what it is. Okay. This is a really, I like Cisco Talos. Like I respect Cisco Talos. Whenever I see a report from Cisco Talos, I listen up, okay? Okay, so they're saying this Netgear Orbi, which is mostly going to be home networks and small businesses. So there's your target market, right? And then freaking Carl. Carl, who wants to be able to like, um, you know, you, you probably won't see this in commercial uh, applications, but, you know, it could be. Um, okay, so the flaw, they mentioned default admin creds. Um but I don't think you need that. Um, okay, it says the flaw requires valid credentials and a MAC address, okay? I'm, look, I'm just looking at this really quickly, bear with me. Okay, um, so you can see that they've applied a... Um, 
basically they're accessing an API and pushing uh, an API call that isn't being uh, fact checked in any way. Um, and you can see they've kind of, they basically have um, this, you can't copy and paste this code and it, it worked. They've kind of neutered it on purpose to, to make it so it doesn't work. Um, here's the thing. If you need uh, valid credentials to the box and a MAC address, I'm kind of confused. Like, like at that point, why do you need to send a, um, why do you need to send an API call? Like if you can just log into it and do stuff, just log into it. But alas, perhaps they want to make it automated and write scripts to do it and all that. So that's fine. Um, being able to execute arbitrary commands on the device itself is uh, slightly concerning. Obviously, once you compromise a Netgear, I mean, a, a, a network device like this, you have a foothold into the into the network. You can also sniff packets. You can do all sorts of malicious configuration. Obviously, you can do a denial of service. You can route their traffic through some type of controlled space. You could reconfigure the DNS uh, servers. So then you're controlling all DNS. There's a million different things you can do. Um, basically, <laughs> you know what totally uh, frustrates me? They said that a patch is available and they push it to the devices but the device may not automatically update with the patch. Now, I could see the argument being, well, if we force your device to update, there could be a network downtime because essentially the router will be offline for a minute while it reboots. And there could be performance impacts. There could be patient safety impacts, right? Somehow, if you're a small business that's doing surgery for some reason, and you're you're doing like, there's no way that this would happen, but like in a hyper ridiculous example, you're doing surgery with like Da Vinci laser surgery. So you've got like a, a doctor in um, Iran doing surgery on a patient in Oakland, California, and they're using the Orbi router <laughs> for network traffic and the thing reboots in the middle of the surgery. Yeah, you could have some problems there. But most people aren't going to be using uh, mission critical or critical apps or real-time systems with this Orbi router. So it just annoys me. I feel like I feel like they should have had it force an update, um, but you know, lawyers probably got involved and said we can't do that. So whatever. Be mindful if you are using these devices in your in your commercial network, uh, fix them. <laughs> yeah, small business doing medical coding. Yeah, that that could work, Michael Fink. But but medical coding, like if you had a blip, if the network went down for a minute, that's not really a big deal. In fact, you might just be like smacking the side of your your monitor trying to, you know, not that anyone does that anymore, but like smack your monitor and be like, what's going on? And then like, oh, the network works again. Some Cleveland Clinic, IBM and the Cleveland Clinic announced the installation of the IBM Quantum System 1 as part of the Cleveland Clinic IBM Discovery Accelerator Project. This marks the first on-site private sector quantum computer in the U.S., although IBM still manages the machine. Researchers say the computer will speed biomedical discoveries across clinical and pharmaceutical research projects. IBM first announced the project back in 2021, looking at how both organizations could learn from an on-site quantum computer deployment. How do you make the? All right, sorry, I wasn't even, <laughs> I wasn't even listening. Qu quantum computers, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I know they're coming. I'm just tired of them, honestly. Um, all right, so IBM 10-year project, advanced computing, 2021. They're talking about precision medicine research, guys. Quantum computing, the first application of quantum computing is going to be national security and military secrets. It's way too powerful a technology. If you think of any advanced technology, 
it was realized initially inside of a military capability. First world powers want to stay in power. Military is one of the ways that they exercise that force to retain power. Giving the military cutting edge technology is how you do that. That gives you a Dude, think about any military conflict ever in history. The side with the technological advantage in most instances is the one that wins. Look at how World War II ended. Who had the technical advantage? We did. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how World War I ended, so I can't really comment on that. But if you look at, um, geez, the, 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 the rise and expansion of the Roman Empire, do you know why they expanded gangbusters? Because they had systems in place that were technologically more advanced. They didn't have like VR headsets and Google Glass, but they were able to move and erect a fort on a battlefield in a matter of hours and be able to defend that fort and crush their opponent and then keep rolling. They had systems in place. They had weapon systems. They were more advanced. It's a fact. So quantum computing, yes, we could talk about precision medicine and all the amazing applications of quantum computing. If you're going to see it in an applied state, it's going to be a, a first world powers military capability. That's a tinfoil hat thought. Uh, yeah, okay. So exactly, cosmic uh, because of planes, right? Japan was crushing it in World War II because they had technological advances. They had aircraft carriers, wicked sick ones. They could basically have an air force in a very advanced forward position where we... Or, or the Allied forces couldn't really do that. That's why we had to control Midway. That's why we had to control Hawaii. Because we needed freaking land to put planes on because we didn't have aircraft carriers that, Tokyo, uh, that Japan had. All right, anyways, now I'm losing my mind. Okay. Quantum computers, IBM, they're going to continue to do it. Way to go. Quantum computing is coming. Uh, it's more about cooling it down is my understanding. But remember... You're going to have to write custom code to run on quantum computers. You cannot run Windows 11 x64 on a quantum computer because every piece of software that we write today is written for a base two processor, right? The architecture underneath. Guys, we can't even get software to run on an M1 silicon chip for Apple, right? You think you're going to go to a, a base three uh, triary system and then you're just going to like write a, a, a script? To, to translate it? No. They're going to have to write custom. It's going to be Windows Quantum. That's going to, you know what I mean? So anyways, we got a ways to go. Holla, 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 holla. All right, guys. Uh, it's 1046. I almost did it. Wanted to, uh, apologies to um, NCC Group and Base Case for going a minute over, but we came close. It's uh, 1046. If you were here just for the news, stay tuned for just one more minute because I want to share something amazing with you and then you guys can boogie out, you newsgoers. All right? Guys, it's a hot day over at Simply Cyber. At 3 p.m., this is very unusual. At 3 p.m. today, four hours from now, I am going to be releasing a produced video called Apex Sock Analyst. I've been getting a little silly with my graphics here, my thumbnails. Okay? I made a 50-minute video, this video, that shows you exactly how to build the Eric Capuano Home Sock Lab. Every download every mouse click every registry setting everything is in this video screenshots like keystrokes everything if you want to build this lab and you don't know what you're doing this video is for you if you know what you're doing this video can help you just reassure what you're doing the point is i want to lower the bar 
to zero on what prerequisite knowledge you need in order to build this home lab. This home lab is so freaking powerful. And it's such an opportunity to learn real practical SOC skills, including detection engineering, which will blow any interviewer's mind if you tell them that you've done detection engineering for an entry-level SOC analyst role. This video is going to show you everything. Now, the reason I'm releasing it at three o'clock, by the way, this isn't the kind of video you sit down with popcorn and you're entertained. This is a working video, all right? I decided to release it as a, a full video. There's time markers. Look at this, guys. There's time markers. Every single step, every single step you can jump to, every single step. So you don't have to go scrubbing around the video looking for where, where that thing was. I hate when that happens to me. I have documented every single step. You will be able to do this. The reason I'm releasing it at three o'clock, not only is it hot fire, but at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, the man himself, Eric Capuano, the guy who wrote the original blog post that I made the video on, will be my guest on Simply Cyber Live. We will play this video kind of in the background while it's going, and Eric will be telling us why you're doing what you're doing, what you should be expecting, how you can level up the lab, answering all of your questions. If you wanna be a SOC analyst, if you're a SOC analyst and you wanna go to the next level, it, he's gonna answer. This dude is a treasure to the cybersecurity community. He's very, very knowledgeable, and he has a similar mindset as Simply Cyber. He wants to give to the community. He wants to level up people. He wants all of you to be the best. That's why he's coming on. That's why he wrote the blog post. I'm very, very excited about today's episode. I. I pumped it yesterday. I'm pumping it today. You will not want to miss this episode. It will be available on replay. A lot of people are asking that. Will it be available on replay? It will, but you will not be able to ask questions of Eric on replay. Okay, so please, please, if, if, if this is important to you, come be here at 4.30. We're only going to do an hour. It's going to be tight. All right. Now, if you were here just for the news... Oh, wait, hold on. I, and I'm going to drop links in chat. Okay. I'm gonna drop some links in the chat. Or mods, can you drop links in chat, please? Thank you. Uh, all right, guys, so if you were here just for the news, I see 185 of you stayed from the news through the reminders of these two sick videos I got coming up later today. If you were here just for the news and you got a boogie out, well, thank you very much. I genuinely appreciate your time and your contributions to the Simply Cyber community. Now, Jarrett Matthews, did Jarrett Matthews jump in? Wayne, Wayne's, oh God. Wayne's Real World is going to post on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge today, so we're good there. If your team replay, I didn't see Jarrett Matthews. I'm going to ask Jarrett Matthews um, if he will, because he didn't get tagged properly. Um, if Jarrett Matthews, well, hold on. So, hold on. I'm going to tag somebody new, Jenny Housley, because Jarrett Matthews, I don't even know what his Discord handle is, so it's very difficult to do that. I'm going to go ahead and look through the um okay so i'm looking right now okay mr a anderson if i may i'm going to tag somebody mr a anderson tagging you for simply cyber community challenge okay so if you're watching this on replay mr a anderson please please holla 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 all right now really quick this, this meme is hilarious, by the way. I, <laughs> I love this meme. Thank you so much. 
All right, guys. So um, we're doing some jaw jacking for a hot minute. You guys, uh, Jer Jordan Turney's asking about the crank coffee PR yet. That coffee did stay with me for a little while yesterday. I'll tell you, I'll be honest. Um, I just drank a regular K-cup today simply because um, these these packets that the, the roaster sent me, I want to do a French press with. I want to do it right. Um, tomorrow, I'm going to have a new, a new packet. I think uh, it's like a Sumatra one. There's a French roast one in there that I'm hoping is the best. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do the French roast tomorrow because I love French roast, and I'm hoping Friday going into the weekend that coffee will set me up for su success. Flipper Zero in Australia. Yep. So, guys, really quick, since uh, Funky Monk mentioned it, I've got the Flipper Zero, right? But I've been working with... Um, I've been working with the um, the the Wi-Fi uh, the USB nugget. Okay. Now this isn't the Wi-Fi nugget. I haven't spun that up yet. But guys, I've been doing here. Let me plug it in. All right? You, can you guys see this? Here we go. Cover my face up so it snaps in on that. Doink. Right? This thing's pretty good. This is more like a rubber ducky. I think the 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 USB uh, the Wi-Fi nugget. I think the Wi-Fi nugget is actually more of um, like the Flipper Zero. But if you are, uh, can we get this? Yeah, Wi-Fi Nugget. If you guys are wanting a Flipper Zero and you can't get it in your region, uh, consider the Wi-Fi Nugget. I've been playing with this thing. I've got like three different payloads on it. Oh, Jesus. Um, I haven't done a video on it yet because because I have I have more ideas than I have time to execute on. Plus, I have a full-time job. Plus, I have a second part-time job. Plus, I have Simply Cyber. Plus, I have a family. Plus, I have a wife. Plus, I'm building a, a, a studio in my backyard. Plus, I have dogs. Plus, I have my own health. <laughs> so anyways, stay tuned for all of that. Uh, what's that device called? So the device is called uh, the Wi... So check it out. Wi-Fi Nugget. I'll drop a link in chat. Hack Cat Wi-Fi Nugget. Look, The Verge did an article on it. But really what you want to do is go here. This is Cody Kinsey's website. Cody Kinsey, friend of the Simply Cyber community, an awesome individual, a, a another, you want to talk about, dude, we have so many like treasures in our uh, organization, in our community, Simply Cyber community. Um, Cody is another one. Great guy, gives back to the community. Um, this device is legit, guys, it's legit. I, I am doing a video on it. I, I've been, I disassembled it. I took pictures. I assembled it. I installed payloads. I just, you know, I don't want to just like throw it up there. Thanks, Joel Belton, for the sock vid. All right. So definitely check that out. What's going on? Yeah, no bite. Eric Capuano Lab is awesome. I learned very valuable skills that I will be building on. It's a great... You know what? So Randy Hamilton, thank you for the kind words about the lab. Um, and Eric Capuano definitely did good work. You know what I want to do to kind of refine it? Stay tuned for this. I'm going to ask Eric today on stream. But I'm actually going to add resume bullets that you would get from this lab i'm going to put them in the show description remind me on stream if i forget what resume bullets would eric expect would make sense for someone who walks through this lab we'll add like maybe three resume bullets that way you can do the lab and build out your uh, resume like a boss can we build the home lab on a raspberry pi no you cannot cosmic you need you need to be able to run vmware you need to be able to have enough power to stand up an Ubuntu VM and a Windows 11 VM. 
Ah, Randy Hamilton. I'm all excited, buddy. Sergio got the sock job. Yes, yes, we are winning, winning, winning. Hold on. Sergio on the sock job. Nailed it, man. Way to go. All right, Team Live. See you later. Bye, Richard During. I got a couple minutes left. Oh yeah, thank you, Jenny Housley. So I haven't, I haven't, um, I haven't seen what happened to Linus Tech Tips, but if I had to guess, there's like a massive amount of, um, there's a massive amount of emails going out saying like YouTube copyright, right? So I've gotten several of them, and it's basically a phishing email. I think. Um, uh, John Hammond did a video on it. it. It's like I've gotten the email several times now. Now, here's the thing. As channels get bigger, um, you can start having like a team. So like normally I just log into my Simply Cyber YouTube studio thing and do that. But now like Aaron KG helps me with some stuff. So Aaron has editor access and um, uh, base kit. No, I, I have a couple editors that help me with stuff. Okay. Um, or not editor. People who help me with the YouTube channel. So now... It's not just me that could get compromised, but every single person with access could get compromised. And the, the, the level of permissions aren't very granular on the back end of YouTube. It's like you could basically show or not show revenue and you can allow someone to like be a moderator or not. But other than that, like Aaron, Aaron KG right now, if he wanted to, could delete all the videos on my YouTube channel, right? Aaron KG could do that and it would, it would be terrible. So it's possible that... Um, somebody who supports Linus Tech Tips, because he's got a huge production team, I'm sure. They got compromised. Your attack surface increases as you add more people with permissions. That's kind of what I think happened. So. Yeah, hacked because of an editor. So I have editors for my produce videos, but I don't give them access to my environment. From a risk-based decision perspective, I have them deliver me the video and then I upload it myself. Sure, it would be easier if I allowed them to upload it and, and, and do all, and then like Aaron does the SEO and stuff like that. But I'm not comfortable with that level of risk, okay? Joel Belton dropped in mod chat. What are you dropping in mod chat, Joel? Oh, uh, I guess Linus Tech, Tech Tips has responded. Uh, here, I'll put, this is a link. Uh, YouTube channel hack here. I'll drop this in chat for everybody. Would that be considered a supply chain attack? Yeah, uh, effectively, it's third-party risk, right? Because, I mean, it depends, right? So, like, let's say Aaron KG gets hacked. That's third-party risk management supply chain attack. If Aaron KG works for me, like, I, he's an employee of mine, well, then that's that's a internal... It's the same. The outcome is the same, but... It, it, it it's classified differently okay um yeah i don't know i'm not gonna read all this for you guys in in real time but anyways you can obviously imagine like once a youtube channel of that magnitude gets hacked you can put links in uh like and it looks like it's coming from the legitimate source like give me bitcoin or or you know like whatever whatever you, whatever your objective is Casey Gaska cannot ruin. You could just ruin my podcast. Thank you. You can. Casey could ruin audio if he wanted. He's got the. He's got the skills. He's got the skills. But 
I apologize to NCC Group and KC every day. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully I've earned their, their. Um, oh my God, what would you ask like the Emperor Caesar for? Mercy, yes. Like uh, like a uh, base. Base case is like walking around in a um, in like a uh, like a, a gladiator outfit. He's like, "Am I not merciful? I didn't delete all your YouTube channel." <laughs> I love it. Yeah, what's up, Zalaya Suraju? Drop a question. I got you. I've got. Uh, I'm gonna have to go in just a minute, though. I told somebody that I'd be available between 11 and 1 p.m. Yeah, hey, you know what? Lousy Tesla scam, David. My my thoughts are it must be it must be pain. It must be pain. You know what I mean? Yeah, Joel Belton, are you not entertained? Exactly, yeah. That that would be me if I was having a bad day. Are you not entertained? So we'll see what the coffee does tomorrow. I think the crank I don't think anything's gonna be more intense than the crank, so we'll see French Rose tomorrow. Have a great day, Lego Sec. Hope to see you guys at the 4.30 live. I, I may or may not be at the premiere at 3 o'clock. Again, the reason I premiered this video at 3 o'clock today is because I want everybody to have an opportunity to kind of scrub through it and, and have it available while we're streaming live um, so you can, you know, play along, right? Fraud analyst position versus sock analyst position. Um, it depends where the fraud analyst position is located. Uh, it sounds like something that would be in more in financial services and really specific. So a SOC analyst can see more problems and have to deal with more issues. Fraud is a very specific type of compromise, right? So I think that that would be the discrepancy. I'd have to understand like what, you know, because you could have somebody who's like, you know, forensic accountant or someone who's like, you know, physical security, looking around, looking for fraud and stuff like that. So it kind of depends. You'd have to send me a link, honestly, Sean, for, for what the fraud analyst position is to get my get my honest thoughts on it. At a bank. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, so a fraud analyst, that's a very... Jim London, if he's in chat, would be able to speak more to this. But fraud, looking for financial fraud, is an art form. It's an entire discipline all to itself. There is a little bit of an overlap in the Venn diagram of fraud analyst and SOC analyst, but for the most part, I feel like a fraud analyst would actually reach out to the SOC team and ask them for some logs or some, some help in their fraud investigation. A SOC analyst would not reach out to a fraud analyst for help on their SOC analysis type work. It, it, it really wouldn't work that way. My pleasure, Laura Flores. Will there be cloud security training in the future? Yeah, I mean, Zelaya, you can go to AWS and get free training on AWS. You can go to Azure and get free training on Azure right now. <clears throat> Definitely said that. Zach's not bored. You said we will be using VMware or the lab. Was looking at Cali Purple, but this looks amazing. Yeah, for this sock lab, you do not need to use Cali Purple. In fact, I actually mentioned in the video that, like, there's no reason to use Cali. You're literally just using Ubuntu Linux plain to install Sliver C2 post exploitation framework to hit um, the victim Windows machine. There's no reason. There's nothing uh, that you would be using that like you you like it, it, it's excessive, right? Now, if you wanted to take it to the next level and start throwing you know specific attacks at your victim machine and seeing how it looks, then yeah, Kali Kali could be good. But with Kali Purple too. 
I mean, the whole thing with Cali Purple is that it's got defensive tools in it now. And with the lab itself, you're looking in Lima Charlie's EDR uh, management console for detection engineering and those type of things. Like Cali Purple wouldn't get involved because the Ubuntu Cali box in this instance would be your attacker machine. You wouldn't be routing anything through the Cali box from a, def uh, a defensive mechanism perspective, right? So Cali Purple wouldn't make sense in that in this lab at all. Did you come up with a name for the GSEC shack yet? No, Greg does stuff. We're still working on it. We're still working on it. Uh, Pursuit of Bliss, you cannot use WSL. In fact, in the video, um, I show a PowerShell script you have to run because I run WSL normally and it conflicts with VMware, so you have to turn it off. Although, you know what? That could be interesting. That's a good question for the stream today. That could be interesting to use it Ubuntu WSL, a Windows 11 WSL, and I you could do the lab, honestly. Possibly. Let me let me look into it, okay? Uh I talked to the the, the wife. I tried using the outpost in uh in chat in in, in chat in in dinner conversation. She's like, "I no." She's like, "The outpost no." Command center is kind of cool, right? The GSEC the GSEC shack presented by, um, I don't know, Stark Exterminators. I don't know. What does your home network look like? Have you played with PFSense switching VLANs? Uh, I have played with PFSense. I, I run, this is probably offset bad, but I run a Ubiquity network, which if you go into Ubiquity, you have to commit to like all Ubiquity products. But I run a Ubiquity network. So it comes in off, um, it comes in off the ISP and then goes directly into a, um, uh, a, a, a you know a security gateway firewall and then it comes into a switch which then maps out to uh, wireless access points and then a couple extenders I have in my environment and then I run a hardwired line up into this room that I'm in right now. Fort Osier, I love it, David. That's funny. Ubiquity's nice. It's just it's expensive and you have to go all in on their product suite. But I will tell you, once you set up Ubiquity. It's aces, like they've got a great interface. It's very easy. Um, ex adding more extensions and pieces to it is very easy. So. Oh, nice job, Base Case. Look at Base Case in, in Cybersecurity Central with the blue Simply Cyber Squad logo. That's that's OG right there. My pleasure, Scott B. Hey, Brady McNulty, the battle station. I love it. The Crank House. I don't think I want to call where I spend most of my day the Crank House. Fort Osier. That's funny. I might, I might, I'll have to socialize it. I, I kind of wanted it to be a little bit less about me and more ubiquitous, but. Ooh, Justin Gold score in four, in four days. That's very nice, Justin. Congratulations and thanks for the continued support. Not the Crank House. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, I'm going to boogie out of here. Oh, Simply Cyber Shishen. <laughs> Very funny. Very funny. It is funny. A couple people have said, like, I'm like, oh, I'm building a, I'm taking a shed and converting it into an office studio. They're like, oh, so like a shishen? I'm like, I guess, but more like a office studio. And they're like, I'm like, all right. So Greg does stuff. Post me, tagged me yesterday. Hotel debated topic in my Discord server. Probably a hot debated topic. Hostel, could you take a look? Yeah, Greg, what's your um tell me your 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 real name? Um 
and I hate to be like, oh, tell me your real name, but um, I, I get tagged a lot on LinkedIn. I can't look at everything. Um, so just tell me, tell me, um, tell me, tell me what your name is. Like, cause it's hard. I can't filter like by squad members and stuff like that on LinkedIn. Oh my God. Greg does stuff. Oh, all right. Hold on. Let's, let's, let's look, shall we? Is this it? Greg Wilson? Greg does stuff. Why are we not connected, dude? Here, let's connect. I spell my own name wrong. Um, all right, I'll have to dig into this. I'm not sure which. Oh, it's right here. Here we go, guys. Community topic. I do have to go, though. If, if I run a network scan on a campus area network that I'm an authorized user of, is it still considered an attack? Um, okay, so if you run a network scan on your campus and you're an authorized user, is it considered an attack? I guarantee you, Greg, um, most people don't read the acceptable use policy, but when you got access to that network, when you signed up and got your creds, when you connected to that network, you likely agreed to not do these type of things. When you join a guest network, there's a splash page that no one reads and clicks through. That splash page typically says you're not allowed to do stuff like this. So you would be in violation of that policy. Moving into an apartment complex and you wanna see how secure their WAN is, um, you could technically do um, passive reconnaissance on it, but if you're like trying to log into the access point to see if it uses default creds and stuff like that, that's not okay. Um, So anyways, you can only control what you're authorized to control to. Uh, now I will say this, if you run InfoSec for a campus and you want to do a test and you get authorization, this is why pen testers get um, scope of engagement and authorization letters and stuff, then go hog wild on it. But doing this, like basically what you're saying is, I'm going to use this service, but I question the, the, the quality of this service. So I'm going to independently validate it. That's kind of like vigilante. Like you can't, you need permission to test anyone's network. Now, if it's your network, you give yourself permission implicitly, go for it. But uh, you can't just do this. Or, or You know what I mean? Like what if you do this and you knock over the network? Or what if you do this and you accidentally do a, a like you you expose some data or something like that Th then you're there's no different than criminal like intent might just change the level of punishment you receive but intent does not Im imply you know authorization like i'm sure you're a good guy greg but you can't you can't just be like oh i'm a good guy because a bad guy is going to say i'm a good guy too right that's my initial thoughts on that how would you get permission from someone less technical who may have no idea for, say, a volunteer at a church? Oh, well, then, I mean, you just kind of lay out like, hey, listen, uh, I'm a cybersecurity professional. I do this for a living. Um, I would love the opportunity to take a look at your network and identify if it is at risk of being 
exploited or taken advantage of by criminals. What I would do is I would look at the outside of your network the same way that a criminal would be able to view it. And I can tell you if there's some easy, low-hanging fruit steps that you can take to reduce this chance of you guys getting hurt. That's what I would say. All right, guys, I've really got to get going. Thank you all so very much for your time today. I look forward to seeing you guys at 430. Uh, check out that lab at three o'clock. Share it with your network if you think they could get value. I believe that this lab video is going to be one of the highest performing videos on the channel, not because it's entertaining and educational, but because it is a step-by-step. -step. Here's how you turn yourself into a killer SOC analyst without having a SOC analyst job. Be good, everyone. We'll see you later. Thank you.